three, two, one. We're on the air. Hey guys, welcome to the show. <clears throat> this is your boy Jay Marie here at Thesis. Everything is everything. And today we got a treat for you. Got my boy Gio here with me, and we're gonna check in with him, see how everything's going on uh, over on his part of uh, his part of the world. With the whole corona lockdown and everything, we might have a little interesting conversation. <laughs> so, how's it going? Uh, how's it going, Jill? Hey, Jay. Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you uh, for having me here on the show. Yeah, man. Uh, just here, uh, trying to make it. The world's going crazy all around us, but hey, <clears throat> what can we do about it? But enjoy enjoy the, the view and the spectacle that everybody's making of themselves. There's a lot of things we can do. We can just catch up on things that we haven't done before, you know. <clears throat> a lot of it is just making sure that you call people. That's what I'm doing, just calling people and trying to update them, really doing the things that I don't do when I'm too busy. Yeah, so, it's good that uh, when we have time, we have to take advantage of it uh, because it's really easy to just sit around and get depressed or watching the news all day doesn't do anybody any good so it's a good thing a good thing to to try to make the best of this time mm-hmm. so uh, have you been in uh kind of a self-quarantine mode for a few days you know i i'm trying to balance that from not being not doing it not overdoing it but also not underdoing that um i'll go to the pharmacy i'll go to the store i'll do things like that but um, you know, my life is really not the party type of life anyway, so uh, being inside is okay. Um, I think I'll be okay. I think that I'll be okay if I keep calling people or if I uh, try and stay away from the news. Um, sometimes too much media, especially negative media, um, gets me anxious, and and I can control that. That's the thing that I can do. I can control how much intake of media um I choose, right? I mean, I, I, I can choose to turn on the, the computer or the television and choose a specific channel. So that's the only control that I have at this point, or at least that's what I feel. Yeah, and uh, I've kind of noticed on myself too. I mean, I, I still get to work, which is great uh, since, you know, I'm a small business owner and I have clients that I got to serve. So we're still out there. Uh, nothing's going to change for us uh, on my side anytime soon, I don't think. Um but I even noticed, even little slightly, because, you know, I'm all, <clears throat> I'm like a cowboy. Um, I'm all, like, ain't nobody going to tell me to stay inside, <laughs> you know, kind of fight the power type <laughs> behavior. But uh, I'm even noticing little slight changes uh, in my behavior. What have you noticed? <laughs> well, like today was was actually something really funny happened. Because um, I, I, I met a client, um, I today I met a client that I hadn't personally met before. And um, so I came in the yard and he was in his backyard and he saw me and he and we were close by and he was like, oh, hey, how you doing? Because it was our first it was our first meeting. Uh, um, it, was your, it was your first social distance. <laughs> well, well, here's, well, well, here's the funny part. So he says, hey, how you doing? And as he's walking towards me, I mean, we're already pretty close. As he's walking toward me, he stretches out his hand like to shake my hand. And. You know, we're so used to shaking hands and, and not really thinking twice about it. Mm-hmm. So I stretched my hand out and we're about to shake. And at that moment, everything went like into slow motion. Like, oh, no. <laughs> because because I saw like, uh-oh, like I could see this 
look on his face. As soon as you said that, oh no, (laughs) I saw the virus transferring from years. Yeah, (laughs) and and you can see the expression on his face. As soon as like we were both in motion, like we were about to shake hands, I can I looked Mm -hmm. in his face and I could see like a a look on his eyes, like oh no, we shouldn't be shaking hands. And I, I know, I know, I probably had the same type of expression on my face because I thought the exact same thing. Because you know, lately I see one of the other drivers or somebody else uh, at the Wait, store. Hold on. I, I can understand why he had that reaction. The, oh my God, we just did. You know, we we sinned, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. But why did you have it? Because I know that you're more. You're more at, you, you feel free about this. Yeah, yeah. You have <laughs> Actually, because I was concerned about his feelings. You know, like, um, like I was concerned about him uh, thinking, oh no, you know, so that's what made me say, oh no. You know, but whose feelings are more important? <laughs> I don't know. Look, look, but, happened, uh, I think it was two days ago. Was at the, I don't know if I told you this, but I was at the park. I was walking around, and I see this. Uh, I think it was like a grandmother. She seemed like that age, and um, and a grandson or a granddaughter. I don't. Know, I couldn't tell. It was like a one-year-old, and I hadn't seen a chubby baby in a long time, right? And <laughs> actually, you go, oh, cute baby, and. Maybe you shouldn't do this, but when I see cute babies, sometimes I say, oh, cute baby, and I don't ask for permission, which is already wrong, right? But at least I'll grab their ears or maybe their oh. hair. I don't grab, <laughs> grab their cheeks, but as a Hispanic Latino man, you know that culturally you have to touch the baby if not they get sick, right? <laughs> the belief system, right? Is that yeah. that well, hold on. So, so touch whatever it the, is that you like. It breaks or you get sick. Yeah, yeah, so just so our listeners know, so he's talking about ojo. We call it ojo. If, if you, yeah, you want to give him ojo. Yeah, yeah. So if, if we see something we like or a child that's cute, we have this superstition in our in the Mexican community that if you don't touch whatever it is, like the child, like at least touch him on the cheek or something, shake his little hand, something, we call it ojo, like the stink eye or something like that, you know, to where, uh-oh, something's going to happen to him. So that's, that's what he's it's talking about. the opposite of coronavirus. <laughs> you must touch to keep healthy. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, you know, so I, I went for the hair to go and try and touch the hair, you know, and just rub the, the hair. And the grandmother grabbed the baby and left immediately. <laughs> like, and I felt like, I felt offended, you know? But then I thought, wait, whose feelings are more important, hers or mine? And it was like, right? Obviously, she thought, who, who, why would you even try? And I'm thinking with the same, I was left with the same idea. Who, why would you even try to leave? <laughs> and so then it's, it's really a question for you. He shook his head. You're thinking about his, his feelings. Why is he not thinking about yours? <laughs> yeah. And the funny part is, so we both realized at mid shake, like not even, we haven't even touched hands yet. And like, this is split one, two second maximum you know, two seconds maximum of our hands reaching towards each other. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't even like a full shake because we both realized what we were doing. So it was more like a just a real quick, like, like, I don't even know how, like a tap. We just tapped our hands together and like sort of squeezed and okay. And and then, and then I looked up and I could, I noticed like regret. <laughs> I'm 
<laughs> on his face. And, uh, oh, yeah, oh, everything, how y'all holding up? Oh, we're good. Okay, good. And then he goes inside. But, you know, he probably went inside and washed his hands really quick, you know? <laughs> but the funny thing was, like, we both realized it at mid you know, at midpoint, when we're about to shake, like, oh, we made a mistake, you know, but that's funny. Yeah, so, so those are the type of little behaviors uh, that I'm noticing, and it's cool because, okay, you know, we want to do our part and whatever, like, there's a guy I see at the, at the gas station every morning when I get my coffee, and, and I normally, we shake on a normal, because I've seen him all year, you know, I've known him for a long time now, and normally we shake hands, but now it's like a little elbow bump. Like, what's up, man? A little elbow bump, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I haven't seen people doing elbow bumps. Oh, I think I saw the, was it the president that was doing that? Somebody. I think he did that. Somebody, I think it was somebody in the White House who was doing that, but, um, no, I, it's hard to open, it's hard to open doors with your elbows. Yeah, you know what I do? I use one finger. <laughs> like if that's like if, like if that's gonna. <laughs> Coronavirus needs five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like like since I use one finger, I feel like the chances of me picking it up on one finger is is much less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's much less than if I use my whole hand. <laughs> It's becoming, it's crazy. Um, so I, I, I went downstairs uh, yesterday thinking that I was going to go and work out, right? So I have, um, there's a, a gym downstairs on the first floor. And there was this guy and his wife and their, like, three-year-old daughter or something. They were walking around, like, the hallway of the first floor of uh, this apartment complex. And I'm closer to the gym, and from far away, he's like, is it open? Because he saw my reaction. My reaction was like, dang. And I was like, no, they, they closed it. And he's like, this is ridiculous. And um, But really, I thought, I, I was like, okay, yeah, it is ridiculous to you, but to them it isn't. And to me, yeah, I wish I could work out, but maybe they have a point. You know, so I was kind of 50-50, right? But I don't think that I made that a, a like, I, I don't think that I communicated that across, but I was, <laughs> I think I was being fake. I think I was being fake because he was like, so it's, it's, it, they locked it. I was like, yeah, they locked it. They put a sign and everything. He's like, man, they also closed the business center. I was like, yeah, I know. He's like, that's ridiculous, man. This is ridiculous. I can see you washing your hands and things like that, but come on. Nobody even uses that gym that much. I'm like, yeah, I know. He goes, yeah, you see, this is what's happening. People are taking it uh, to the extreme. And then finally he says goodbye and he taps me on the, on the shoulder. Like he grabs my shoulder and says, all right, man, take care. And taps me like three times. You know? <laughs> uh -oh. And then, and I'm thinking that's what happens for you acting like you, you don't care about this. That's what happens. You know, he, you should have said, okay, stay away. Because as soon as he tapped me on the shoulder, I took off my shirt and I washed it. I was like, <laughs> acting like this <laughs> but it is it's like you ask yourself probably why did i do this really why did i do this and again it's because you're considering his emotions right mm -hmm. like his feelings and uh just i don't know just our behavior is really really changing really yeah. changing yeah it is and um i mean i we can see the positive you know because we never really think about I mean, cleanliness, yeah, you know, but now we're, like, extra careful. And I guess that can be a good thing, but but not long-term, social distancing. I mean, we need 
companionship. You know, we're we're tribal beings, right? Like we're. This won't last. This whole social distancing won't help. Yeah, and I mean, it, temp, on a temporary basis, fine. We all do our part, but it, hopefully, it's not that part of it. Hopefully, it doesn't. It's not long term. The other stuff, okay, fine. You know, making sure we sanitize our hands often and whatever. Okay, great. But uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's a, it's a weird experiment almost like watching a science experiment. It's like a social, yeah, it's like a social experiment. See, it's see. like playing letter B but after high school. Yeah, it's 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 interesting though. I like I like li- it, we're living um we're living the quote-unquote experiment because we're part of the experiment. You know, not that somebody's making an experiment, but we can see well, it as a, as know. a. We don't know that yet. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, right? as far as we can. Like a Tuskegee. Uh, <laughs> as far, experiment? Yeah, as far as we can tell. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't know that yet. Like the guys from the experiment, the syphilis experiment. But what we do know is that it's affecting the daily life. I mean, how is this affecting dating? Have you thought about that? Oh yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I wouldn't. No, about dating, but uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, I'm already. You know, a, you've actually done some social <laughs> I'm already. A, I'm already like a hermit, you know. So, so you're an expert on this. Yeah, so I didn't. I didn't have to adjust one bit. I'm already, <laughs> you know. That's, a, That's another but I can. But, I can imagine though the dating scene was already is already crazy. And now to add this, this to this it, won't last. This, this cannot last. I mean, people yeah. are going to have sex. People are going to go and and go clubbing. People. Are, yeah. I read in the New York. I think it was the New York Post, um, New York Times, or something. Um, that Mexico, the Mexican president, um, I think his last name is Obregón. I think um, that apparently he is hugging people. In five thousand or more people crowds, oh. he's kissing babies. He is shaking hands. He's he's doing the opposite of you know of what we are told here in the United States to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and I, I'm, what do you think about that? I mean, is he showing courage or <sighs> stupidity? Uh, I don't know. I mean, my whole so. My whole understanding is that this is just, I'm just calling it a flu, a cold, your average, normal, everyday flu virus, cold virus. You know, that's, that's all. That's the way I see it. So so you don't believe that this flu came from a bat? Well, uh, you know, to, I don't, wherever it came from, whatever, like I have no, no, um, no opinion on that because I, who knows, right? That's what some of the stories are saying. Um, but, but even still the virus is what it is and, and it is a simple, uh, coronavirus, which is the type of virus we get when we get a cold or an upper respiratory infection. So I'm not too worried about it. I'm not, I'm not worried about the virus itself. Like it's not some killer zombie virus or anything like that, you know, because you would think it's some sort of zombie virus just by the way the media talks about it, you know? Constantly telling us who died and how many people died. Like, okay, uh, but put, let's put it in perspective, right? Like, I asked uh, on my last show, I was asking, why don't they tell us how many people with cancer died today? Why don't they tell us how many people died on an automobile accident today or of liver? You know, I've always, I've always liked seeing uh, how many people died on 
on the freeway. Like, you know, I don't know if you've noticed that, but you're right. If they if they do that, then it would cause fear, right? It, you would, I mean... It, it, they told us, in they this? us 3,000 more people die today from cancer. Then it was all over the place, right? But I don't think, I don't know if that's a good example, though, because cancer is not contagious, is it? <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, but so I think that this is more about because it's it, it can be contagious. I wonder if it's I wonder why they don't do that for HIV though. I mean that's contagious, you know, according to sexual behavior. So how come they don't do that, right? I mean we still don't have that fixed. Yeah, and right? so the 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 whole thing that's weird to me is why the hype and why now? Like why? What's the reasoning behind it? Like I don't know. I'm. I, I think I'm a little. Um, what's the word? Skeptical. Skeptical about things. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So what? Okay. If you could, you don't have evidence, but what? What, what do you think is happening? It's just a uh, uh, overblown. Is it a trial? Is it no, no, no. It's so, for something. Yeah. Like no. Render? Not at all. Not at all. No, no big conspiracy, nothing like that. More of, um, um, but your questions really do make me wonder if it's a conspiracy. Why now? See, okay. what was the other question? Why now? And uh, why the hype? And like, why right now? Um, so, so I see it more as a maybe a dereliction of duty, um, but from the press. You know, because we understand the concept of if it bleeds, it leads. So every night at, at 10, when you watch your local news, they start off with the dead people, the person who got shot, the wreck. Mm-hmm. They need to, they need to grab your attention. And unfortunately, uh, human nature, you know, we're interested in, in who died or who crashed or whatever. Mm-hmm. So and, and, and from a marketing standpoint, uh, they as a tool to draw eyes. So I can see why they would use that tactic, let's say, on a regular basis. But see, they're so used to doing business that way that they need the next big story, the next big story, the next crisis, the next, you know, they want to be the first to declare a crisis. They want to be the first to declare a winner in an election. They want to be the first to bring a story. This rush to 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 be the first, this rush to find the, the thing that's going to be clicks, the thing that's going to go viral. You know, and if you report it a specific way, you know, you can be saying the facts, but if you report it with some spin or in a particular way, you know, you can kind of fuzz, fuzz the fact, the, the fudge the facts a little bit, maybe where people, you know, maybe you cause them to, to be frightened and run to the store and grab all the toilet paper. You know, there's no telling. Like, I don't, that's the part that I don't understand, but I do understand marketing. I do understand messaging. Um, I do understand uh, the media's role in things and um, and how they can how powerful media is. Media in general is very powerful, as we can see what's going on right now. Because I think it's not man it's not a manufactured crisis. It's just it's something that got out of hand. You know, you start like somebody uh, maybe something like. Not that it was a joke, but like in a general sense, something that you start 
and let's say like a practical joke and I'm this and I don't mean this as the corona I mean like in general and it gets it just goes beyond your control it gets the big the lie gets bigger it gets out of control and before you know it it's way out of control and there's nothing you can do to put that genie back in the bottle I think it's something like that I wonder too if images like I was um, looking on the internet and there was um, like a you know when you watch a video and it goes real fast it goes real fast because it's like a time lapse or whatever mm -hmm. and they were building like a humongous hospital in China okay. to take care of the coronavirus patients mm -hmm. and it took them like days so you know and I'm like oh that's when I saw that I remember I just closed my laptop and I thought this is serious for them to create a brand new hospital for just coronavirus patients you know um, and so I think that, yes, those images are strong when I see, um, you know, the, the graphics the, and the pie charts and, and all these numbers. That's, that makes it real for me. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I told him, you know, if, if I were to know somebody, not necessarily close to me family, but like just somebody close to me, who were to get sick and pass away of coronavirus, then I would take this 100% seriously. Because I'm taking it seriously, but not 100%. But if he were to die of this new thing called coronavirus, I think really my attitude would change. I don't know. Like, I think it would. I mean, I mean. You know? I mean, and I mean, look, of course. Look, at the end, look, look. At the end, isn't it all at the end called death? Though, aren't we just really just afraid of death? Does it really matter if it's HIV, cancer, um, breast cancer? I mean, isn't it at the end death? At the end, we're just afraid of death. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, right? Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not scared of death, but pretty much in general, people are scared of death. I think in general, yeah, we are we are scared of death. I mean, right? I mean, many religions. I mean, they they really work on that, right? They really that's how they make their money too. I have this book called How We Die. And the author is um, it's, it's Reflections on Life's Final Chapter by Sherwin B. Uh, Nuland N U L A N D How We Die, and it tells you um, like what really is a heart attack. You know, what is a stroke? And um, I read that book a long time ago, and I was just looking at it as you were talking. I'm thinking, I think what it is is just start, it's our innate fear of death. I think that's what it is. It doesn't matter if it was, you know, Ebola. Because, right, Ebola also, what did it do? It killed you. Swine flu, bird flu. Um, it's, you know, so it's... It's the fear of death, I think. Yeah, I think I think that that's, that's part of it, definitely. Um, and and I think on an individual basis, if more people were not <laughs> afraid of death, yeah, if they were not afraid of death, then I think we'd be okay. But it's not it's not that simple. It it takes it takes a long uh, path to get to the place where you're not afraid of death because like honestly it it took me years um but but um i can honestly like wholeheartedly say that i'm not I'm, i don't fear death one bit 
Um, would you say that because at this point you're being biased because you don't say you don't have like a terminal terminal illness or something? Oh no, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I've been pretty healthy, you know. Yeah, uh, but I'm saying like, would you say that you're saying this too premature? Like your statement may be too premature because you don't have a terminal illness. So unless you go through that, right? Well, like I mean that that tells you in a month you have you know terminal cancer say goodbye to your family would mm -hmm. then you be like damn Sergio you know I mean would you be afraid we don't know yeah I mean I don't I don't know maybe at, at, after something like that but at the moment like if I die in my sleep like not I'm not scared one bit of dying in my sleep I'm not scared one bit if a uh, if a bullet flies through my window because somebody's shooting at somebody down the road and it kills like You know, it, those thoughts just escape my mind. Like I don't dwell on death the yeah, way I, the I way I, I used don't to. Dwell on that either. But I think that I I think that naturally, we as human beings, we don't we don't want to cut our life short. No, I no. So. I mean, you know, we we're meant to live nice and long and prosper and and fruitful lives. Uh, that's that's part of you know. I think that's part of our our our. Um, what what we're what we're here on Earth for, uh, to do the best we can while we're here, as they, But you know, I was thinking. So Socrates. Um, so just in case, uh, for those who might not know, and you might know, but let me uh, break it down a little bit. So Socrates is a philosopher uh, in in uh, Athens, and um, and he was a rabble. He was they 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 thought of him as a rabble rouser because he liked to have conversations with. The young, the younger people, the younger generation, and he wanted to teach them about the ways of living, and philosophy and wisdom, and 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 that entails telling the truth about what's going on around you, whether the government is corrupt, the senators, and you know, back in 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 the in the Greek times, in Athens and in the Greek mm -hmm. states, there was a lot of corruption in their in their republics and in their senates and 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 governors and all that, and he would point this stuff out so. So they they charged him with uh, some crime of not worshiping their gods because okay. because in his in his quest to find out the truth he came to a realization and this is fun this is not funny but this is um, something interesting that in his time he came to a realization that there ha he he came to the realization that there had to be like one god so in his mind he was thinking more of a of a of a one god instead of many gods and in the in the greek states you know they had all the many gods and they had festivals for all the different gods so they charged him because they didn't like what he was doing to the youth he they didn't like that he was educating the youth and and making them think about the world around them and so they tried him it was a kangaroo court they tried him and they sentenced him to death uh, so the story the the story is he got sentenced to death And uh, and then he drank some poison and died, but before he died, um, he had some conversations with some of his friends, and in okay. one of, in one of the conversations, um, I don't have the list of the names of his friends in front of me, but he's talking to one of his friends, and his friend is telling him that even the jail guy who's protecting the jail cell told them, you know, because they didn't want him to die. He was very valuable. He was wise. He was he is he was valued among the the regular folk. Mm -hmm. So they even the jailer was like, "Hey, I'll leave the door open and just take him, take him to another state, something, right?" 
Like, just get out of here. And, and, and Socrates said, no, you know what? I thought about it. And no, I'm going to take my punishment. Basically something like, I'm going to take my punishment like a man. But aren't you scared of death, Socrates? And he says, you ever, when you go to sleep and then you, and then you wake up and you feel so rested, right? Because you were asleep. And then sometimes sleep, when, you know, you ever experience when you're laying down and you like, it almost feels like you just blinked. Yeah, it's morning time. Has that ever, yeah. have you ever, okay. In, instantly, right? Eight hours, ten hours, whatever it was, passed in an instant. And he says, uh, so how, you know, why would I be afraid of, of eternal rest? It's like, he, he pointed out how, how amazing rest and sleep feels. He's like, why would I, why would I be scared of that? Like, why would I go away from something like that? He's, I'm 80 years old. You know, my time is limited. He's like, I can, I can call it, I could throw in the towel right now, call it in, and I'm fine with it. And he was fine with dying. He, he, he took his punishment like a man because he believed in the rule of law and he believed in, in, in structure and order. And he says, okay, they tried me, they found me guilty, and my, and my punishment is death, so I'm going to take it. I wonder if, and, and I think, you know, yes, I imagine the process of dying like sleeping right but i think that some i wonder if people because people don't talk about death and people don't talk about these topics usually uh not at least that they're not common right <clears throat> but when we do ponder on this is it more that people are afraid of the afterlife of what we grew up with uh, you know whether we believe in hell or heaven and all that, because maybe people don't are not afraid of dying, the process of dying, but maybe they're afraid of going to quote unquote hell, whatever hell mm -hmm. is to them, right? Because hell is never a good picture, right? Mm -mm. Like, I mean, even 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 childhood hell, right, which is cartoon hell, is horrible, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, for for. People who grew up in like in church, hell is never a pretty nice, amazing place to go to. And there's definitely people who will go to hell. So, and people believe there is a hell. Some people don't, but the people that do believe that uh, there is a hell, those people, I wonder if they are afraid of going to hell. Like, I mean, it could be, or or also maybe just the the unknown, like not knowing. What's going to happen? Is it like, right? Or, or, or not knowing what comes next? Like, is it just lights out and that's it? Zero, anything? Or is it eternity? Or is it, you know what I'm saying? Like the unknown part. Yeah, like if there was a verse that said in the Bible something like, hey, guys, yeah, there's no hell. Um, and yeah, when you die, it'll be like sleep and immediately you'll go to heaven. Yeah, there, there's no hell erase that part yeah there is no part like that there's actually like a choice right there's hell in heaven and then there's i think a third one i think the purgatory depending on what bible you pick up um, or what interpretation you have mm -hmm. so what what do we do of this when we when we're dying or we're afraid or we get the flu right get the flu what's gonna happen am i gonna die and if i die do i go to hell i think it's really that's what's going on around here it's not am i gonna get the flu I don't care if I get the flu. I've got Theraflu for that. I've got Tylenol. I've got all these other things. I've got Walgreens, CVS. But what I'm afraid of is if the flu 
doesn't get fixed, then I get pneumonia. If I get pneumonia, then I get death. Mm-hmm. Then if I get death, I have one or two options, really. And it's that that I think that scares people. Mm-hmm. I had, um, I actually had a bout of pneumonia about five years ago, five or six years ago, and I didn't even know. So I had been coughing. I mean, I had coronavirus. I don't know what it was. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, mean, I had <laughs> you did for a month. I really did for a whole month. I was coughing. I was at work and coughing and coughing. And um, and I had shortness of breath. I couldn't eat because I, um, I was eating soup. And I would try and get some soup. Uh, and I, I couldn't eat the vapor of the, of the soup would um, stop me from breathing for a while. I'd have to eat soup sideways. I was like, okay, just because of the vapor, this is weird. So finally, it was becoming irritating to me, just the fact that I was coughing a lot. And uh, I went to the doctors, and he's like, yeah, he goes, you have um, you have a uh, slight pneumonia. You Like you could, you know, you have shortness of breath and this and that. He's like, yeah. I said, but if I had not come to you, what's after pneumonia? I stopped writing the prescription. He's like, well, death. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and I knew that he was going to be a good doctor for me because I need a doctor that talks to me directly like that. Mm-hmm. And um, because I'm such a procrastinator. And um, so he, yeah, he, he said, well, after pneumonia, you know, it's, it's death. He goes, you can't get water out of lungs. It's hard to do. Have oh. you ever tried to get water out of a balloon? He goes, that's what, that's what it is. You know, so here, and he gave me some uh, kind of like an asthma apparatus, that thing that you, you put in your mouth and uh, what is that called? Oh, the inhaler. The inhaler. He gave me an inhaler and gave me some medicine. And, um, you know, and, and I was very serious about my treatment. And I went back to the coffee shop. I actually hung around this coffee shop. And I told one of the, the guys that was there, and we used to, we used to talk all the time, and um he said, you know, he goes, I'm glad that you went to the doctor. He goes, you know that my brother um, passed away maybe seven months ago. He said, he died of pneumonia. I said, what? He's like, yeah, died of pneumonia. And to say all that is that, I mean, it's like death is real. Like it's it's there. It's somewhere out there. Like we can't see it, right? Oh, yeah. And I it's that's what's happening I think right now it's the fear of death and it's the fear of what happens after death mm-hmm. but it's more than that too it's the it's the what happens if for those people who want to believe this too um, I had a friend who I spoke with this weekend she said but what about the government if they turn off the lights if they turn you know what about gasoline you know they can control if they can control the media they can control gasoline they can control lights they can control and it and honestly, it became too much for me, and I needed to close that conversation because it became too too fear-based for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's the, the sad thing about that right now. Well, definitely our imaginations can run away with us, and um, sometimes it can work for a good. You know, our imagination can be used as a tool for good and also for bad. Um, because if we're just sitting there thinking of the worst case scenario of everything, then we're going to live a pretty uh, shitty existence, you know? Uh, so we have to take control of our emotions and our thought processes in order to keep 
<clears throat> you know, keep steering the vehicle in the right direction, uh, you know, keep control of, of the situation in our minds and in our behavior because this is cosas. I mean, those things, they they can do us harm, I guess, psychological harm, you know. As the, oh, and what, uh, I, I think. Mean, do you think what's more powerful, fear or faith in this case? What do you think is more powerful? They're equal. They're equally split, I think. And and it's up to the individual which side are they going to strengthen, you know? Are they going to work and strengthen their faith? Or are they going to let fear succumb? Are they going to succumb to the fear? You know, I think it is pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty equally split right down the middle. And it's up to mm-hmm. us to choose, like the split in the road, right? The, um, the road splits in two and you pick one. So it's like, okay, well, we're in control of which side of, of, are we going to fall on? Am I going to let the fear control me or am I going to control the fear? As a matter of fact, um, speaking of Plato, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, uh, Socrates earlier, as the, you know, uh, in, in the uh, Republic, which I am holding in my hand right here. As the, there, Did you mention faith or fear? Uh, actually, no, but something very, very similar. Um, so, um, he, 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 uh, on one of the chapters, he talks about the character of man. You know, our different types of character, character of leaders, and and what leadership's okay. supposed to look like, what kingship is supposed to look like. And uh, he says, um, uh, you can either be a slave to yourself. Or you can be the master of yourself. So what does that mean? Being a slave to yourself is when the worst parts about you, fear, anxiety, uh, anger, all the negative things about us, when they when they run roughshod over us, when, when we can't control it, if, if I'm angry, if I'm bitter, and that part is just manifesting itself around me, then I am a slave to myself. But if... But if I am the master of myself, I I can control my emotion. I can control my anger, my fear. I mastered my emotions to where I keep them under control. So see, there's there's like a split. It's a two way. It's a two two sided thing. It's like you could be a slave to yourself, or you could be the master of yourself. And you know, it's it's kind of like what we're saying right now is we decide by how we behave and by by strengthening our faith or by strengthening our, 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 our discipline, you know, we can control. We can be the master of ourselves. It sounds like in that, in that statement, the element that is in both of them is control. One, being a slave is being under control. Um, uh, and being a master is having control. Um, you know, being the subject control would be being a slave and being a master would be having the power to control but like yeah i i see what you're saying like i i at times i am a slave to myself and at times i feel that i am a master to myself and it feels good to be a master to myself but there's something also strange about being a slave to myself there are times when bad feels good right why does bad feel good yeah. Um, if, it feel, if it didn't feel good, people wouldn't do bad. Mm-hmm. I don't think people go, man. I'm. I, I mean, there. I've never done that. I can know of drugs, illegal drugs, right? Maybe, you know, pharmaceuticals here and there, like you know, with counter stuff. But I'm guessing that doing drugs feels good, and 
but yet it's bad. But somehow it feels it has to feel good. Uh, I, I've never understood what people say. Don't do drugs; it's bad for you, and it feel, and it's bad. They're they're bad for you. They're bad for you, uh, or they're. Um, but it feels. Good, but it, yeah, if they're bad for you, why? Right? If they're bad for you, why does it feel so good? Yeah. Correct. Like a feel, the feeling of goodness, the feeling of uh, that that good feeling doesn't necessarily mean it's good for us mm-hmm. or beneficial for us. Um, you know, slapping somebody, hitting somebody out of anger feels good, but it's probably not the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it must feel good. Mm-hmm. I know there's been a times when I definitely want to get that feeling across <laughs> but, but you, it's 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 that's what it, we're going back to that about being a slave or being a master and you know it, it brings me to this idea that i was having a conversation with a friend of mine who said um who said hey listen he said we have to persuade people through faith or fear and it's true people are persuaded to do certain to perform certain activities or behavior through fear or faith think of the uh, think of a pastor or somebody a church leader they hopefully they they persuade you or persuade their congregation uh through faith right Mm -hmm. uh but there are pastors who also persuade their congregation through fear yep and um a thief, right? Um, a guy who can, let's say I'm at, a, at an ATM and a guy you know, next to me uh, pulls out a gun. His, his belief is that I will be afraid and that through the gun, through his words, through his behavior, yelling or oh, acting erratic, you know, rational and crazy, he hopes to believe that I will be persuaded through fear to give him my money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's not going to come with a gun and try to persuade me through faith. He's going to do it through fear. But I see the picture very clearly. A pastor will try to persuade you to give him money, just like a thief, but he's going to use persuasive skills out of faith so that you can feel good about giving Mm-hmm. The other guy at the ATM next to next to me with a gun, he's gonna use this. He's gonna persuade me using fear to still get money out of my account, but he's gonna use a different technique. His persuasive mm-hmm. skill is gonna be based on fear, mm-hmm. but they both have the same objective: money. In that, in those two situations. Are those two people, do they both have the same character, since we're talking about character, because they both have the same objective? Well, and, and do it, they have the same objective? Do well, they yeah, and it would... Do they have the same character? And it would depend... It would depend on what's in the heart of of each, you know, what's, in, what's actually in their heart of the person. Because, sure, we've seen stories of crooked pastors and stuff right and they and they steal money or they lie there are all kinds of crookedness going on out there so we've seen examples of that and i'm sure there's plenty of good examples of good men who Correct. just need to help the 
soup kitchen, whatever, right? So yeah, we would have to know what what is in their heart. And you know, another in, uh, an interesting thing that I was going to bring up a second ago is uh, the, you know how the whole fear thing, and we think about hell or heaven or whatever. You know, hell, hell is a it's a modern concept. So the Jew, the Jewish people, the the Hebrews, uh, the Judeo, the 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 Jews um, don't have a hell. You know, in the Old Testament. Uh, so they don't have a concept of hell in their religion. Uh, when when the Bible in the Old Testament talks about a place called Sheol, that's where we get hell from. But Sheol was actually a prison down in the ground, which was like a they send you into the into the mines, you know, underneath the ground. You got to dig for whatever it is they're digging for. But that was like a sentence, like you do something bad. You're going down there to Sheol for the rest of your existence. And people died down there because it was a prison. So so the idea of hell in the modern, the way we understand it today, it's a modern concept that came from Christianity. I don't know the exact, um, like, where it comes from. Because in the, in the New Testament, it does mention a place called hell and Lucifer and, like, all these different stuff, right? But I haven't been able to yeah, pin... Like it's the introduction, the introduction of um, the introduction of fire is what really bothers me, you know. Like your hell, your Jewish hell sounds okay, fair. You know, I did wrong. I end up in the caves. Mm-hmm. You know, isolated from people, away from society. But this introduction of fire, it's really. I wonder where it came from. Yeah, it is kind of odd. The whole concept as we understand it. You know, because, um, you know, the, you're going to burn forever, like for eternity. Like, I've burned my finger before and it hurt for like a split second. So imagine yeah, that pain, <laughs> that pain all over your body forever and ever. That's pretty scary, <laughs> you know. Uh, but the idea, itse- yeah. the idea itself is really new. Now, on another note, you brought up purgatory earlier. There's interesting. It's an interesting crossover. And I don't know anything about purgatory. Yeah, me, me neither. Just, I just, I just know it in a general sense. Something like, okay, you weren't that bad, so you don't go to hell. But you weren't that good, so you don't go to heaven. You go to this middle room, and you got to hang out there for a thousand years, right? It's, it's, it's it, that's no, a gen- My friend explained it differently. He said that you are being purged. That you are being burned, and that you're paying for your, all of your sins. You're actually in, on fire, purging yourself. So, 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 in purgatory, there's fire. From from what you understand, yeah. Apparently, that's what's purging you. You're paying back for all the sins. I thought just hanging out, like you got to sit no. here for a thousand is years. Seven Eleven or what? No. <laughs> like, well, well, you got to wait. So you got to wait a thousand years before you could come into heaven. You know, oh, I mean, that's the first time I've heard anyhow, I mean, to me, that's my understanding. It's something in a, yeah. in that general, something in that general area, something like that. Because I'm not, a, I don't know much about that part of the Catholic religion. Now, but what I wanted to bring up was interesting. Going back to Socrates, um, uh, so you know, a lot of these older ideas, these Greek ideas, um, got passed on to the Roman Empire. Uh, and then which which basically got passed on to the Christian um, religion. Um, there's an idea, um, and he talks about it in Plato's Republic. Uh, there's one 
part of uh, there's one chapter where they talk about this place that this that I wish I have the book here, but by the time I find the name, anyhow, this guy tells a story of how he died, and but but he died. Uh, uh, oh, okay, so he died, and he went to this place where there was a stairwell going down, and people were going downwards, and then there was this, another stairwell, uh, like coming from the bottom up that people were coming out of. And he talked to these people. He, he, he talked to somebody who came out from somebody who came out from the bottom and he talked to them because the guy looked thirsty, tired uh, and whatever. And, and when he spoke to him, the, the, the explanation that the guy gave about he was down there for a thousand years or something was very, okay. very similar to this this purgatory idea. And mind you, this was in the Greek. This was during Greek times, way before Roman Catholic, uh, you know, way before the Roman Catholic Church even existed. So is the message here that purgatory has existed even in Greek times? Or is it that that influenced the Romans and that now we want to say that that's purgatory? Well, well, the idea is definitely older. The idea of this purgatory place that you go to when you die, that you, that you weren't quite that good of a person so the idea itself has existed since since before the roman catholic church into into the greek times and that's interesting that's 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 an interesting thing to to know how some of these things how some of these ideas get passed down from 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 other epochs in time you know and and they get passed along and and now in the Roman Catholic Church specifically, because in 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 other Christian denominations they don't talk about a purgatory only in the Roman Catholic. So I can see the connection between between Rome uh, and Greek, you know, because they were sim- very similar. Um, they had the same amount of gods, the pantheon, the Zeus and Jupiter, and you know all these different gods, right? So it was very similar, but until the Roman Empire ad- uh, adopted Christianity as its as its main um, religion, they were worshiping all these other gods. Oh, something interesting too about language, since we're on the god uh, on the gods plural topic. Now, I, I was doing some some research. Um, language is very important. We've talked about this before off the air. But how, how language is very important, and we can learn so much just by looking at language and tradition and, and translations. So, so, right, so in Rome, the main father god, the god of all the father, uh, the father of all the gods, his name was Jupiter, right? We call him Jupiter. In our modern language, Jupiter. That's, that's the father of the gods. Now, in Greek times, there's several different iterations of, of, of God. There's Zeus, right? We've heard of Zeus. We all know Zeus. And then there's one that's pronounced Deus, like D-E-U, uh, or D-U, uh, how's it spelled? Deo, like, right? You've heard that one. That, D-E-O? No, it's like D-E-A-U, like Deo. Okay. Okay. And see, it sounds like like Dios. It's like Dios. Yes. God. Yes. Correct. Correct. So you see the connection there, Dios, right? And 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 in Latin they had Zeus, and then it became Deus. 
right? You see how very closely similar? It's just the first enunciation of the first letter. Deus, Zeus. Okay, very similar. All right, so Deus means God, okay? Now, check this out. So, I'm thinking Jupiter. What's the name Jupiter? Jupiter. So, I looked into the phonetics of Jupiter. Jupiter broken down, and remember, we're, we're talking Latin here. When you break down Jupiter, it's Deu Fiter. So, it's like Deus, right? Deo, the word we said earlier, like Dios. And then Fiter, which means Father. So, it's Deu Fiter. Deu Fiter. But we say Jupiter. Deu Fiter. Deus, Father. Father, God. Ah. So see, Jupiter means Father God. Wow! Interesting. So like the etymology, the history behind it, and how it was formed. Yes, yes. And okay. since the language, since it's the same, it's it's Latin. You know, they use Latin. Now I'm sure there was a little differences between the the the, the pronunciations and the phonetics and all that. But we can see the connection there. Now, now. In in the Hindu um, religions, they have a bunch of gods también, right, also. And yes. so I was digging through the list of their gods. They have a whole bunch of gods. But I was lick, looking through the list of their gods, and guess what I found? As a matter of fact, let me, <laughs> let me pull out my little notebook because I have it written down right here. Um, give me one second. Oh, sorry. In the um, Hindu religion, you said? Yes. In the Hindu religion, they have the Father God, you know, the, the main Father God person. And his name is very similar to, Ju to Jupiter. Here, I need, to, I need to pull out my, um, my notes real but quick. Would he be in charge of all the gods that they have? Well, he was father of the gods, similar to... To Jupiter, father, he was the father god, father of the gods, you know? Do they still have that god? Yes, as a matter of fact, they do. Sorry, I am looking for it right now, but... Um, so like right now, if um, people who practice uh, Hindu, the Hindu religion, do they at this point have one god that is in charge of all of them? Um... Well, the concept, <clears throat> the concept of, of Father God, like the 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 top God of all of them, He's the Father of all the other gods. So His His um, jurisdiction supersedes their jurisdiction. See, so He's the Father of all the gods, but He has more power than all the other gods because He's the main, you know. Like, right. like the yeah. main god. The hierarchy. Let's see, see. And uh, that was very interesting. I have it here. Sorry, I got so many notes here. I should have been prepared, but I didn't know this was going to come up. But uh, yeah, so so um, it's it's fun. Not fun, but it's interesting to be able to look to look at these words and to look at their meanings and look at their translations. Um, and, and you get a better picture, you get a better understanding of, of many things. Um, here it goes. Let me see. 
Okay, Jupiter, that was the Roman gods. And then I have the explanation here about about Deufiter, father god. Oh, oh, okay. Check this out. So in 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 some instances, um we hear the name Jove also in Roman in Roman god Jove, like J O V E. Oh. Have you heard of Jove? J O V as in Victor? Like J O V E, yes, Jove. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Jove. So, J O V E. Uh, I've heard of J O B, uh, Job. Oh, okay, yeah, so. Uh, not J O V E. Okay, but what, what is J O V E? So, that was another name for God. So, they, they, they this is the weird, this is the one part that I don't understand. So, in the Roman, in the Roman, um, mythology, it, his name was Jupiter. But they also called him Jove, but it was spelled like I O V E. Well, I but, wonder if that's a, a pre, like the name before Jehovah. Ah, see, that's what I was about to point out. Jove and Jehovah, Jehovah, right? So, uh-huh. so the 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 Hebrews called God Jehovah, and and the uh-huh. Romans called God Jove, Eov, Eov. Right. So wait, who called him Jehovah? The Hebrews, the the Jewish, the Jewish people. Oh, okay. Well, see, they, how, and see how he has different names. So, um, I wonder where this tradition comes from of 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 the different names of God. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. I mean, we are where we are right now in time, and when we look back, we can. You know, we can try to see, um, but I don't, I guess since, since we're not, since we're not there, we don't have an exact picture of, of why these names, or what did this name mean at that time, uh, you know, those type of things. But it's, it's funny, it's not funny, it's interesting, um, the, the correlation between all of them, between Jove, Jehovah, Jupiter, Deus, Fitter, Father God. You know, it's it's very interesting. Very interesting. That's the Jehovah one I'm still thinking about. Um, I wonder why they're not the original Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> what do you, what do you mean? Like, right? Like, I mean, are Jehovah's Witnesses, is it a Jewish sect? I mean, uh, I'm starting to wonder now. Or is it just the name? They picked up the name, you know? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I have a friend lady, and she would tell me about her church. She's a, a Jehovah Witness. Um, you know, she gave me the Watchtower magazine and stuff like that. That'd be interesting to have a, a, a three-way conversation with her, you know, um, because I have a lot of questions about Jehovah's Witnesses. They've always been a mystery to me. I had a good friend who, um, uh, well, he passed away about two years ago, but he was in the Jehovah's this church um, for 40 years, he told me. And he finally left the church. Um, I forgot the story, but he told me about how he left, but eventually he left the church. And uh, he was very upset with the church and how he was treated. And uh, he called it a uh, he called it a cult. And he would tell me his reasons why. Um, but he was very disappointed with a lot of religions and a lot of um, you know, people who wanted to talk to him about their their religion, uh, and I—he was a very calm, very patient, 
uh, peaceful man, but I remember that he lost it. He got really upset one time when at this certain coffee shop that I had mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago. Mm-hmm. He was uh, doing something on the computer, and a you know, in certain coffee shops, they bring in people to perform music or whatever, play jazz. But that night, um, uh, the people that were performing uh, played some music, and it was like Christian music or mentioned Jesus or something. Mm-hmm. And boy, I'm telling you, I had never seen him get upset ever, ever. And I knew him for several years. And it's almost as if all of the anger that he had been keeping in that moment decided to come out. Um, so yeah, I think that there was a lot of things that he says that, because I did ask him, I tried to change the conversation with him and asked him were there some positive things about it. And he said that they really help you to be a good public speaker and to have good social skills with people. Um, and But it's, it'd be interesting to have somebody on, on this podcast who is a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, I would like. I would like to know more about. Yeah, right. Like who or what? Right. I mean, is it God? Like the God that we know, or is it a different God or whatever? Ooh, something interesting here too. Here's how. Here's how amazing things are. So you know how in Spanish. Okay, so to my listeners out there who don't know Spanish, um, we say a word when we mean hopefully. We say ojalá, right? You you say ojalá, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. And that, that kind of basically roughly translates into hopefully. Uh, that's how it's translated. Or, or God willing, maybe. God willing, right. yes. Now, mm-hmm. why would it, how, how, how do we get God willing from there, right? Why? Because, oh, Allah, like Allah is, is the name of God, but for the Arabs, they call God Allah. And 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 in and in some way that got into the Spanish vernacular by saying "Oh Allah" is say it's basically asking God, like God willing, you know. It's like the way we say God willing, hopefully, or oh, Allah, or oh, Allah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. If it explained like the way you explained it, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. You're saying if God wants it, God willing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or, or Allah willing. Right. Yeah, and Oja, and, ojala. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then even when we say it, even when we say it, let's say as hopefully, we're putting our hope forward, you know, and and and, and our hope, you know, would lie in something greater like God, and so it kind of even still translates when we think of the word hopefully. But it's funny how how in Spanish it actually translates directly into 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 Arab language of calling God Allah. Like, oh, Allah, you know? Yeah, that's a really interesting. I wonder if, now knowing that, does Allah chingada mean, uh, <laughs> is, I mean, is that, is that, are you saying now, are you cursing God out? I mean, is that right? Because <laughs> yeah. you're saying Allah, right? And well, we chingada is no good. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't yeah, I don't know if that one, I don't know if that one's the same. But that one is Allah. That one still has Allah on it. Right. Well, but it, it's to them with it. Maybe it means to them with it, or God, God forbid, or God not willing. <laughs> I mean, it it could be. I mean, it might. But I think in that instance, the Allah is not is not. I don't think it's the same 
a la, like I can say a la tienda. Does that mean God's store? No, I'm going to the store a la tienda, right? Maybe, yeah. yeah and then so we say a la chingada. That means to the shit shop. <laughs> or, or, or. Yeah. I'm thinking it's it's a la like because we're saying because we use it to curse. We're saying hell no or you know. You know, we're right. That what would be the equivalent of that in English? It has to have something. But I can see why you're saying that it could be like a. What would that be? Like a prepositional phrase, like a thing that you're mentioning where you're going mm-hmm. to the store. Yeah, to the, to the store, to yeah. the bank, to the chingada, right? Yeah, to hell with it. Or so there you go. There you go. Something like that. Definitely. To or other languages. I mean, that's why language evolves. I mean, we just look at ourselves here in modern times. People are making up words every time. And they're adding them to the dictionary and we use them regularly like bling bling. You know, bling bling would originally have been something like onomatopoeia, right? Like bling bling, right? Uh, But now it's actually a, I don't know, a noun or a verb? No, I think it's a verb. Like, Let me see. Say it in a sentence. Mm, my my necklace is bling blinging. <laughs> yeah, a noun and an adjective too. Yeah, like yeah. so. So language language evolves uh, pretty rapidly. Also, uh, we brought it up I think last time about how we say y'all, you know, in the south, and the people in the north don't really understand what y'all means, and y'all is like you all, but we just say y'all in the south. And but people up north don't say y'all. They might say use like y o u s. You know, up in up in New York, the Italians say use or use guys. You know, it's like the languages in the different regions. Even here in America, we all speak English, but we all speak our own type of English. Almost down here, we say what's what's up, dog or homie. Those type of things. You know, those kind of words that mean something to us amongst each other, but might not mean. Something it might not mean the exact same thing to somebody else. If I call somebody from the great upper northwest, homie, I mean they might know what I mean, but also depending their age and where they're from and this and that, they might not know what I'm talking about. And and languages like that, so you can see how. That's what makes it really uh, interesting and really beautiful because it says so much about you. You know, I think about actors and how somebody's writing their script, right? And the writer has to consider where the character is from, where he grew up in, what is his occupation now. And language really creates that character. Uh, and also the way he dresses and how he behaves mm-hmm. and body language and all that. But just staying to the topic of uh, language. Think of the writer, his job. His job is very important because everything that comes out of that actor's mouth must connect with the authenticity of the character that he's playing. And it all comes down to the words that he's going to use. And you know, um, since languages 
are so unique and they change so rapidly. It makes me, I was just thinking about it right now, about the, the ability to translate, let's say, an old tablet or, or ancient Egyptian, you know, or an old language. It's going to be hard to translate it. it it's got to be very hard to translate it because of these little difference in phonetics and regions and what time of, you know, what epoch, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just to try to figure out, to find the, the closest proper, the closest available translation for a specific word or symbol. Can you imagine how hard that, that would be? And, well, some of those things we don't even have anymore. Some of the objects that they're, we're trying to translate, we don't even have them anymore, right? Like I can think of maybe what three thousand, two thousand years ago, you're trying to translate a tablet, and there's a paragraph and there's an object that we don't even have, right? Yeah, there, how do you translate that? Yeah, there's. It's not a, it's, I mean, what? What? How do? I was uh, many years ago. I went to Africa and I was trying to explain what a VCR was back then. To uh, um, to kids that were living in the middle of uh, Zambia, mm-hmm. and it was like a bush village. But then I thought, why are you trying to explain VCR? You don't have a picture. You, the, the concept was too. I don't know if I got through. I don't think that I. I don't think they understood me. I don't think they. Even though I had a translator, and he was, you know, explaining it to them. Here I'm trying to describe it's a box where you put another little box inside. <laughs> yeah. And, and then on this other box, box another image of the <laughs> little box. There's, uh, there's, um, there's pictures in there. Yes, pictures in there. But you need to connect that box with another box. A big box. Yeah. With, and then, and then you'll shows. see people that are, are alive, but they're not real people, you see. It's, 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 that's. <laughs> That's complicated. You know what? That is so interesting <laughs> because look. So we're about to we're about to kind of go in a wormhole here. Well, we're sort of already are. Pero the way you just explained you trying to explain something that an object that you're used to to somebody who has not a clue of what it is, right? Okay, when we look at some ancient scriptures, especially some of our Western scripture, uh, old writings, sure, but especially um, in the Eastern um, religions, uh, the the Hindus, they have these stories. Like they have so many amazing stories that when you read them. They sound like science fiction. You know, the god Rama jumped on top of his silver eagle and he flew across the sky. And then from his eagle, he shot an arrow. And when the arrow hit the enemy, it caught everything on fire. Right? What does that sound like to you? To me, it's metaphor. But But it sounds like... Does it sound like... Rama jumped in his jet and he flew into the sky and he shot a missile at the enemy and the missile caught everybody on fire. Can you see the similarities between the two? It's both, they're both telling the exact same thing, but one of them is explaining it in a way, kind of like the way you were trying to explain to the kid that, you know, the god Rama jumped on his silver eagle. You know what an eagle is? Yes. Okay, but this one was big and silver. And he jumped on top of it. And then he took off flying into the sky. And and you know what? These stories, 
in the uh, in the uh, the books are called the Mahabharata is one of them. Um, and what's the other one called? Um, uh, sorry, it, it, it slipped my mind. But the Mahabharata has these stories about these gods, and over and over during the battle sequences, during during uh, the exploits of the god of the king of whatever, as they, there's always these different explanations uh, of things that when you look at in modern understanding, you're thinking a uh, flying airplane. You know, you're thinking something. A, a, a ship that flies, a missile that blew stuff up. You know, there's one big giant monster that everybody was scared of, and he roared when he was coming in the sky like a big roar, and, and wind would blow up around you, and he would spit fire from his mouth, right? Like a dragon, okay? You know what I see? I see an Apache helicopter swinging down low, bringing the wind and the and the noise of the choppers. And then he spits fire from his mouth because it's a machine gun. And the fire is coming and it's killing everybody. See? And these yeah, stories... The modern version of it. Yes. These stories in the Mahabharata over and over and over talk about things... Like this, that can be translated into modern understanding of technology, of bombs, of missiles, of flying airships. And see, as far as I can tell, just from what I've been able to understand, from what I've been able to read about it, is they, in their religion, in their um, in their part of the world, they understand that these writings are maybe tens of thousands of years old. They, that's how they see it. The Hindus see these writings as super ancient writings that go back thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So then that brings up the idea of, whoa, what was going on on Earth 10,000 years ago, right? It is so weird. It is so weird. But see, the more we dig, the more we study, the more we look, we can find these things, these clues to human history, these these clues um, to some other time past um, in human history where there might have been some sort of technology. You know, because if we look at it all together, if we put all, all these stories together, so this 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 time this this epoch of when rama jumped on his silver eagle right let's call it 10,000 years ago okay or whatever let's let's say 15,000 years ago okay now if we put it all on a timeline that time period comes before what we understand as the great flood noah's flood um, by scientific measurements and by by uh, scholars, the close they have a range of time where they can where they think is when the great flood happened, which is right around twelve thousand five hundred years ago. This is science, geologists, and scholars that that have come to this conclusion or rational conclusion that okay there was a great flood somewhere around 12,000 years ago so when rama was fighting with the big monster shooting arrows from the eagle was prior to the flood so whatever existed then is completely wiped off, wiped off the earth because of the great flood you know so this was like a, a, a prior epoch in human history. 
pretty interesting, no? That is very interesting because it seems like it's almost like history repeats itself, but only through its oral tradition or through its um, major, what would you call that? Um, not, not books. It's, um, they're not books. They're like uh, manuscripts or these are very important. They're like the Rosetta Stone. Those are very important uh, pieces of literature. Uh, sometimes in some cultures, you know, they don't write it down. They just speak it to their generations and so forth but it's the same story it's like we're living the same story that you just mentioned today you know yeah. we still have war we still have the dragons shooting fire they're still killing people mm. you know so yep. still in control and see and now imagine so let's 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 hypothetically imagine we have a calamity on earth Right, and ninety percent of the population dies. Some people survive in the mountains, in the forest, in the in the um. What's all that? <laughs> You're at the store. That's an elevator. That's oh, that so imagine the few survivors who did manage to survive, maybe hunter gatherer type people who already survive in the wilderness who don't need technology, who don't need running water, you know, those are the ones who are going to survive an earthly calamity. And imagine those folks who survived trying to tell the story to their next generation after generation of what was and and trying to use words to explain what (laughs) was before. Uh Yeah, they have my problem when I was in Africa. So they're going to use... Things that they recognize, birds. They're gonna use oh, this birds that there was big birds flying all over the sky, and people would be on the bird. You know, like trying to explain what an airplane was. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so when we look back in time, so this is a hypothetical looking forward in a future, in a future where where most of the Earth has passed. You know, has died. Um, so now let's go back in history and think of it exactly the same way. These stories were told orally, so we know that these 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 uh, these ancient stories survived first orally before written languages. So they told these stories by mouth, generation after generation after generation. And ain't no telling how long before they developed writing, before they de- before they can write it down and chip it into a rock and make stone carvings or whatever. So so we can see how. Okay, that sounds that sounds plausible. I mean, that sounds logical. Uh, you know. So when I look back in time, I have this feeling of. Wow, we don't know. Okay, we, all I know is that we don't know. We know we have amnesia. <laughs> amnesia, the, human, the, the humans have amnesia. We can only go back so far that we can remember in our, in our times past. But we have amnesia of anything that came before that time. Because there was a calamity. Because most of the earth got wiped out because of a flood or something, right? We have stories of the flood, maybe a comet blew up. We don't know. But what we do know is that we have amnesia. That's one thing we definitely do know is that we don't know. But we don't know the whole story. Yeah, we don't know the whole story, definitely. It's important to know the whole story, though. And I think that that's, it drives us as humans beings, human beings to want to seek the original story, the true story, right? I mean, that's what... How many times have you had conversations with your parents? It's human nature to want to know. And tell me about 
about my grandfather and tell me about his father. Mm-hmm. And it, listening to their stories, does it redefine who you are? Um, I mean, <laughs> like when you listen to this, because like as you're mentioning, you're saying, you know, taking from what you're saying. These are stories that from different religions, different cultures, they retell the same stories that we are currently living. Well, now I say it specifically. When you, for example, ask about your family's history, when you hear the stories from your family, right, um, does it redefine who you are because you just heard a story that somehow altered who you are? Um, well, I'm not because look, if you think about a story from America, introduce and put this out there. If you hear a story about America that you had never heard, Mm -hmm. does it change the way you think about America? Uh, I don't know. It would, uh, I guess it would depend on what exactly we mean by what we think of America or what we think of ourselves. I guess it would, it would depend on what exactly what exactly that would look like and that that changes a lot about the way i feel about certain cultures when i hear about that they have very similar stories about a god that i may have grown up with mm-hmm. because then that makes it makes us even more uh close it makes us uh it really we're very similar but it seems that somehow religion can make us can make us um, have this distance with each other, or it can also bring us together. Depends depending on the person who's speaking out the message. Mm-hmm. I think it's very powerful to to be a pastor or to be a a religious leader. That's a very um, important role in society. Oh, and, uh, oh, you know, let me point this out real quick. So this is um, for those out there who've been listening. They know uh, so. I want to point out a part of the thesis. So my overall thesis, we know what that is. And uh, so it's everything is everything. So when we're looking at these stories, when we're looking at what we're talking about right now, the past, the present, the future, cyclical, uh, everything's the same as it always has been. And we're, you know, and that kind of adds to my thesis that no matter what religion, no matter what these stories tell, they're talking about us they're talking about humanity and and maybe from a different time but it it it's always um we're always going to live through these cycles of of uh, um of death destruction of prosperity of famine of charity you know these things that we go through as humans um uh it, it, they they reoccur these things reoccur in our personal lives but over historic times uh, wars and all these things that happen over and over and over ever since the beginning of mankind. So that I just want to point out that that's part of my thesis is what we're trying to explore here is 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 the cross section between all these different um, uh, religions and all these different sciences um, and understandings, uh, the social sciences. There's a cross section where all of these ideas meet together 
And that's what this is all about, is trying to find these ideas and finding the threads that connect each and every one of them together. Because we get too bogged down nowadays into religion and which religion is right and science versus religion and evolution versus creation and this versus that and and part political part you know it's all the same thing but there's a connection between all of it there is a middle ground between all of it and that's what we're and that's what we're doing here at thesis is trying to find and explore those ideas that connect everything together that connect history with religion that connect uh, science uh, with philosophy that connect uh, the spiritual Continue, continue. Yeah, sorry, the call was dropped. So I'm just yeah, saying, so yeah. uh, where, where it all connects. You're saying that it was similar, that it was connected. Yeah, and what we're trying to do here is find these connections to make life a little bit more understand un- understandable and and um, uh, able to where well, we can a- where we're able to digest these ideas nice and easy and and in pieces that are are digestible, that are chewable, that that you know that aren't too 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 rough. Uh, to think about, and uh, that's what I like about having these conversations is 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 the exploration of ideas and the pointing out of ideas, uh, and trying to find that middle ground because I do believe that there is that connection between all of it, and and I think my job or my calling is going to be or is trying to figure out trying to find these connections and. And find a way to articulate these ideas to others, to help to help others. Maybe not because we get so torn. You know, religious people get torn between should they believe what the sciences say versus what the church says. I say believe in both. I believe in both. I believe in evolution, and I believe in creation. I believe in that there's a God. I believe in the metaphysical realm. I believe in the spiritual realm. I believe in the uh, the physical realm. The, I believe in things that your your common, um, let's say, quote unquote, Christian believer wouldn't even dare to, or 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 or, or wouldn't um, at least admit to, you know, because you have. It's I like I don't think there's there's a, there's a, they're being encouraged to ex- explore, you know, other 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 ways of thinking i mean when you lift up a bible and you know a person lifts up a bible pastor whatever and says this is the word of god you know it's it's perfect it's correct it's right who are we to question that you know mm-hmm. i think that from the from a early start um you're told that and so you're not going to go ahead and start reading books about other religions. It's almost blasphemy, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, my, uh, the pastor at one of my churches um, one time said that if, any, if there's ever any believer who doesn't believe that the world is 6,000 years old, then, you know, he basically said to question your faith. You know, uh, something like that, and and no, I don't. I'm not questioning. No, 
And see, I know what I, I know what I I know what's in my heart, and I understand. Did you question your faith, though? I mean, he made it sound like questioning your faith is wrong. Shouldn't we always question our faith? Well, we should. We the statement in itself is is, is like a, a threat. Well, so it's so going to threaten our our, our faith. So see, I, am, do I really trust God? Is He really that you know uh, powerful to help me with this situation? You know, can He really take away my sins? Whatever we really believe, we have to always question that. Well, yeah, to sharpen to sharpen our belief system. So the fact that He even said you should question your faith. As if, like a threat. Mm-hmm. We should always be questioning our faith. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a threat. Yeah, see, and, and I I believe wholeheartedly in the sciences. I believe what the sciences are telling us. And I believe in what the scriptures tell us. But the only difference about my system of belief is that I understand that humans, that we're imperfect, and... When we read these stories, we have a vivid imagination, and that imagination can run away with us. You know, this whole idea of the earth being 6,000 years old. Let me tell you something. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that the world is 6,000 years old. So I've always questioned, where did they where did they get that from? And you know where they got it from? From where? They mixed, the, the idea is mixed from two separate parts of the Bible. So... In, in Genesis, it talks about how God created the earth in seven days, right? Six days, and then he rested, okay? And then in the New Testament, I think it's... Um, uh, yeah, one day is a thousand for God. Yes, yes. So then 1,000 times six is 6,000. Yes. So see how they mixed the two things and came to a conclusion that the world is 6,000 years old? But see, here's the problem. When you read that scripture about one day is like a thousand years he says one day is like a thousand years like not exactly a thousand years it's a comparison to many many long 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 time like a thousand years or ten thousand years or a million years you know Trying to explain something different, you know, but they put it together, and I can see, I can see, okay, we're human, we're imperfect, but I can, I can, um, by taking those two parts and putting them together, and then all of a sudden declaring that the world is six thousand years old, it, it's uh, you're doing a disservice to to your congregants by saying that you're doing a disservice to believers and to people who want to know the truth. We want to seek the truth, and by by putting these assumptions out to us as as truth, then it confuses it confuses us, you know. Yeah, growing up in church, you know, I I the way that I grew up in church was, and I think that a lot of people are like this, where they're they're sitting down, they're listening, they're not really questioning. It's not a Q and A. It's more you sit down, you listen, you get it, you leave. You don't question authority. And it's it's not really the best learning environment for that. Um, I think that one of the best ways to learn is to have questions, to have a lot of questions, mm-hmm. and to um, move with that, you know, and see where it leads you. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the idea of the pastor saying, tell me, why do you believe that it can be older than 6,000? And then having the uh, the church member to try and explain you know, that's that's a better approach than to try to humiliate someone for um, 
having a different uh, view. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that humiliation is going to encourage members to want to explore other ways of of thinking. It's a very narrow-minded way of thinking yeah. in itself. And um, but just the whole concept of having people sitting down and listening and not having uh, uh, questions from the audience or from the members, that in itself sounds like it's a power struggle. Uh, structure there. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, different churches run different ways. Uh, but you know, you brought up something interesting about asking questions. So the Socratic method of inquiry is, you know, when we talk about how Socrates did his 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 dialogues, he was always asking questions for the same reason. You ask questions to break things down, to break ideas down, and to get a better gra- uh, grasp on what it's trying to say to you, a better grasp on the idea itself by, by deconstructing it. But you deconstruct it by asking questions. And and he would ask questions to, the, uh, to his friends who were observing and who were listening, who were part of the dialogue, to see what their answer would be. And then he would, okay, let's look at your answer. Now let's break that down. And he would ask more questions and more questions. So, uh, you know, uh, when we hear people say the Socratic method of um, uh, the Socratic method of inquiry, is that is that we're inquiring, we're we're digging, we're asking questions, and that's a very useful tool in in seeking the truth in anything, to trying to find the truth in 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 anything that's going on, any issue, any subject, any any uh, conflict, whatever. Um, by asking questions, you'll get a, a sharper image, a high-resolution image of what you're looking for, of your answer. But it takes questions. It takes questions and digging and being and looking for the truth. You know, um, I, I like that. I like that concept. And and ever since I started studying Socrates, that's basically how I've been dealing with my studies is I ask questions of what I just read and then it'll lead me into a tangent and and then I start digging on a different subject and you know and it just keeps going and going and going like rabbit hole after rabbit hole but it's good because now on certain issues certain topics certain um, um, subjects I'm very well um, well at least as, as far as I can tell very well versed in in a lot of it because of the digging that I have done because I've searched I've seeked I'm sorry I've 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 searched out answers um, and by asking questions and I've been able to sharpen uh, my ideas a little bit better uh, firm uh, 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 the foundation of my belief systems um, all of these things but because of the uh, of me wanting and desiring to find the truth and 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 through discussion and through 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 asking questions uh you know it's 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 been a very useful thing for me uh, and it's helped it's really helped sharpen my um my art, to, to help me articulate my ideas uh, a lot better i've been able to retain a lot of information because i'm when you're really interested in something it sticks it sticks in your mind you know yeah. Well, having uh, knowing the rationale behind your thinking, knowing why you think the way you do, knowing why you believe the things that you believe. You know, I've had conversations uh, with people and asking, well, well, why do you believe that? What's in the Bible? Okay, yes, I, we know that it's in the Bible. Why do you be- choose to believe that? Mm-hmm. Because there are many other things in the Bible that somehow you choose not to believe yet. Mm-hmm. And you've read them. So why do you choose to believe that one? You know, mm-hmm. and... Um, 
it's amazing to see, to hear the, the different reasons why people believe certain things in the Bible. It's also about interpretation, too. Um, you know, sometimes in people's lives, a certain, a certain verse or a chapter or a parable may be more significant than, let's say, a month before when they weren't going through a personal uh, challenge in their lives. And maybe that parable seems to be more, um, more personal. Um, but yeah, like, you, you know, you questioned why you believe the things that you did. Or, and that's always good. And you still continue. It sounds like you're still questioning a lot of that. And that's good. Uh, having these, uh, podcasts and having listeners, hopefully listeners will also do the same thing and ask themselves, why do I believe the things that I believe? Yeah. About, I, about life, about myself, about mm-hmm. my culture, about, you know, my politics. Um, and it's only when we start asking ourselves, uh, why do we, uh, believe what we believe that we may change how we uh, act, mm-hmm. how we behave, how we respond to people. And you know, um, in the scriptures, right? So there's this this idea of uh, of planting a seed, right? You you plant a seed into somebody by prayer or something, right? So there's this there's this metaphor is that you plant a seed into somebody, and then after time, that seed will grow within them and grow roots and spring up and then bear good fruit. Uh, and see, my idea with all of this is, I just want to set that little spark. Or plant that little seed into somebody that that it might get their mind thinking and it might lead them on a journey, the same type of journey that I've been on for several years now. This journey of wanting to know more and, and searching and seeking out answers. <clears throat> and I want to be – I want to help by providing that spark, by, by planting that tiny seed into somebody and then – what what we do is the metaphor is you plant a seed and then you water it. How do I water it? By these discussion this discussions that we are having and people listening and, and it's like water. I'm watering that seed that got planted inside you by pointing out these things and pointing at this and looking at this story and, and this and that. That's the watering part. And then as the person as the as that seed grows within that person, it starts getting root. It starts gaining roots, and then it becomes it becomes uh, like a tree, and then the tree starts producing good fruit. And the metaphor of that is is it will in a, in a in a biblical sense is that you know that person will change their ways and become a, a, a productive citizen, a, a, a productive family member, a positive role model, a positive father model, you know whatever good entails, right? And uh, but in 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 the metaphor that I'm that I'm thinking here is like the seed grows and then 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 on their own when they start digging into subjects that they've been interested in and looking for the truth, it's going to start producing good fruit for them when they start seeing things that they didn't see before. When they oh wow I found this because I was digging oh, under this question and now I know the answer to why of this and that. You see, and and that's all I want. I just want to be that catalyst. Uh, if if some of my words, um, you know, uh, spark that fire within somebody or plant that seed within somebody, like I, I'm, you know, I'm happy. I'm a happy camper. 
because I want uh, what I my desire is for other people to feel the joy that I feel. I love this. I have a passion for for these things, and that's what pushes me to continue learning. I mean, who would have ever thought? You know, I would have never thought ten years ago that I'd be studying Plato. Or, or Socrates, you know, like these these things that are just like way out there, you know. I would have never thought about that, but but there was a seed planted within me years and years and years ago, and and, and that seed got watered, and my interest got my interest grew, my interest grew, and then I continued uh, digging and searching and everything, and like I am where I am right now. But the the journey is never over. We can Correct. never learn the enough. Is, the hope is that it starts today with a listener. With somebody else. several listeners, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And that um, hopefully there will be an exponential result from that. Yeah. And I hope that it's been good. I hope that our conversation has been good and has been productive. Yeah, I think so. We've covered a lot of topics here. And um, uh, I really enjoy uh, – this is what it's all about. It's knowledge because knowledge is power. I see knowledge as uh, ammo, ammunition, uh, because the more information that I have stored in my noggin allows me allows me to be able to address things, you know, issues or whatever rapidly. Like the ammo is there. You know, and and but there's still so much more for me to learn, and there's so much more for uh, for everyone to learn, and that's that's the process that we're doing here uh, here at Thesis is we want to let everybody know that it's the journey uh, of self education, the journey of life, it's is very interesting, and. Um, we can find out so much about ourselves and, and about history and about religions and all these very, very important matters uh, to us. Um, and at the same time, we could become better, better people to ourselves and better people to our friends uh, when, we, when we decide to uh, participate um, in, in changing our ways for the better uh, because we don't only affect uh, our behavior doesn't only affect us; it affects the people around us, our family, our friends, our coworkers. And um, in the end, you know, we just want to be and do better. And this is one of the steps uh, that we will be doing: is by talking to each other and digging and exploring ideas together. Um, and uh, I just want to give you the last word. If you want to, clo- uh, if there anything you want to say before we before we shut it down, we've been at it for about ninety minutes now, which is which is really good. Um, just listening to uh, the different types of topics that we've discussed, I think it's a good idea that, you know, um, that people just really, the listeners, you know, take a time, take a moment to reflect on that uh, with someone else or within themselves. And um, I hope that next time our, our podcast will be as interesting as this one. And uh, yeah. maybe we'll, we'll address other topics, uh, not necessarily what's going on unless this thing gets extremely out of control but we'll see. We'll <laughs> yeah hopefully we'll have much uh, much more fun <laughs> things right. to talk about uh so bitch, stay stay right there where you are all right folks uh we want to thank you for for listening uh if you like what you hear please give us a four-star rating uh you can leave a comment subscribe if you like what you're listening if you like what you heard please tell your friends about it uh thesis everything is everything with your host jay marie and my special guest today's uh geo that joined me today for a while we had a great time together uh and i just want to thank you guys out there uh thank you for listening hope you enjoyed it 
and uh, we will talk soon. All right, Gio, well, you have yourself a good evening, man, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. All right, we'll see you. Okay. Bye. Bye.